0: hey welcome back to the comic syllabus podcast today some graphic novels Uh, we're going to read and talk about memories from limon by edo Benes from no brow uh, which came out in 2022 and we'll look at artie and the wolf moon by olivia stevens from graphic universe and imprint of learner publisher in september uh, from september 2021 so let's dig deep All right. Hello, friends. This is Paul. This is Comic Syllabus, um, where we read comics, um, kind of from the point of view of educator, uh, but also, which is what I am and what I think about, um, but also just to uh, understand and and learn about the the wider world and culture. Um, I am uh, talking today about Memories from Limon, which I've been promising and wanting to talk about for a while. It is a a new book from No Brow. Um, No Brow's comics, uh, graphic novels always have something, uh, special about them to me. Um, in fact, there's a shout out to, from, by, by the creator, Edo Branis, to, um, to AJ Dungo, who is the creator of Waves, one of my favorite books of the past few years, um, which also came out from No Brow. So, um, there's a connection there. That was part of the attraction for me. And also just, I saw the cover of this book and there was something, um, in the color, in the, um, in the setting, in the sort of, um, it's basically a Costa Rican beach and um, three characters that we will come to know very soon sort of uh, resting, residing on that beach and this, this is a sense of a slice of, of life in, um, in this, you know, idyllic Costa Rican uh, setting that seemed really interesting to me. And, uh, you know, so I read the blurb, which I'll read to you. It says, a beautiful and emotive graphic novel from award-winning author Edo Brenes, which weaves together stories from across time to piece together a narrative that will stick with you for years to come. Ramiro leaves the British drizzle and his beloved fiance, Yas, to investigate his family history back home in Costa Rica. What starts as an innocent fascination with an old family photo album leads to conversations with the older generations and revelations he is not prepared for. This intimate and evocative graphic novel uncovers a family series, a secret set against the idyllic Caribbean coastline in one of the most beautiful countries in Latin America. Author Edo Brenes weaves together the heartbreaking and humbling stories of three generations. Love and life is a struggle in paradise. Welcome to Limon. Well, well put, no brow. <laughs> um, and so I picked up the book. I have really enjoyed it. It took me a few sittings to finish which is good because it has a way of pacing you to slow down i think that's the intention it's not um a manga like <laughs> you know um fast page turner and i think that's very intentional um brennis's art from cover through pages reminds me of Erge. you know that kind of tintin style um of deceptively simple almost clean line type of um of work and does very interesting things um, on several of the pages with the way that the story is told and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, as as you heard in that summary, um, it's essentially about this character Ramiro who although resides in, in, in London, we, we see very little of that. Most of the time is very much spent immersed in this place, Limón, which seems uh, to be close to San Jose in Costa Rica and I think in an earlier episode of Comic Syllabus, when talking about talking about this book, which I've been intending to for several weeks, I, I think I said that this was maybe autobiographical, but um, it appears that if there is maybe elements of autobiography, it's definitely mixed in with fiction. As I said, the main character's name is Ramiro. I'm not sure if any of this family history is uh, reflects any of the reality, so let me correct myself on that. Part of my confusion is that the, the um, character Ramiro is engaged to a um a, a partner named Yas and Edo Brenis' wife is also named Yas Yas Sanchez is a, actually a, a really great illustrator um, herself and so uh, you know with the same name Yas I was a little confused <laughs> whether we were talking about uh, Brenis himself or or whether Ramiro was a you know what appears to be true now a fictional um, construct uh, but there's so much that seems true to life about the story that uh, you can be um, well, I'll forgive myself for making that mistake, and that true to life sense is that what happens in the stories that amido um is 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 sort of uh, uh enticed by this uh this family um uh what do you call it photo for photo book, you know photo album, and there's all these pictures, just tons of pictures of his mother. Uh, and his mother's family and uh, maybe most specifically what we find out are the three characters that we see there on the cover his mother's uh, father um, Osvaldo and his uh, his mother's uh, uncle uh, Virgilio so Virgilio and Osvaldo are brothers and then um, a a a woman uh, sometimes a girl as the story and their friendship actually goes back to childhood who, uh, we come to find out is named uh, Rosario and um, just a, a heads up I will somewhat spoil without giving everything away that's kind of my mode here on the comic syllabus I try to keep the important and exciting twists and turns for you to discover while still talking and hopefully enough thematic depth that if you have read the book that you know and I hope enjoy the discussion <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this book. I think that there is um, a pace to it. Uh, as I said, it 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 um, forces you, in a sense, to slow down with a couple of tools. I, and I think it's really the most interesting phenomenon in the stories. So the, the plot structure is fairly simple. As I said, Ramiro uh, visits various family members. Uh, some of them he's meeting for the first time. Uh, some of them, you know, have had some brief contact with but if you i guess there's a few things that i i can identify with in this um in this storytelling process Uh, one is that i have a huge family uh, and another is that i grew up in the u.s much of my family also immigrated to the u.s um, but but many of them are are back in uh, taiwan where i'm from and so whenever i went um, to taiwan or back to taiwan there, was, there were family members who I felt both an intimacy and connection with and a sense of huge distance because we just weren't in each other's daily lives for many years. And so there was something um, that felt like um, both immediate and deeply you know, tied in, in, to my, in my blood, you know, this was family, but also this sense of discovery about people that are close to you but you, you, you don't know <laughs> their backstory. All you know is maybe an impression, a photograph, a... A few uh, memories of, of you know childhood encounters and so there's this you know way where every sort of chapter of the book um, Ramiro is talking to a new cousin or uncle or somebody and it's just really really cool um, because what happens is they, they, they strike up some conversation but eventually Ramiro uh, pulls out this album of old photographs and you be, you begin to hear the reminiscences of these different family members and many of the pages are um there's almost four vectors of story that as a reader you're kind of putting together in your head right and and, and so and one of them is of course this the storyteller the the relative who's talking to Ramiro saying yes oh, I remember this and oh he was such a great soccer player or, oh yeah they they had a little dalliance, or oh, oh, yes, he was uh, you know he, he had this incident where he lost his hand, and so you hear or you know whatever you see in the in the you read in the um in the sort of voiceover the um the relative who's telling from Limon who's telling these old stories. And then another vector is that as you are following Ramiro, talking to all these family members in this way that feels very true to that experience of going back home and and, and learning from a sort of, you know, this sojourn or this this trip back to, to your roots, discover your roots, you, you see the developing understanding on Ramiro's side of, you know, his family origins. And... Of course, connects to his mother and and to very, these various uncles and stuff like that. But ultimately, it all sort of winds back to the story of his grandfather, his 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 granduncle um, Osvaldo and Virgilio, and there and Rosario. And I think what's interesting is from the outset, um, and and I you know uh, y- you can kind of uh, see where it's going because Osvaldo is younger uh and sort of the little brother <laughs> who's you know often up to his own kind of mischief uh, the being myself the little brother and in some ways following this pattern i can really just there's, there's something very real about it and then the older brother is sort of a little bit more um demure and a little bit more um reserved and cautious um, but the older brother is the one who's actually the same age as rosario and and their friends but at, but you already know going into this that it's actually osvaldo and rosario who are um ramiro's grandparents so there is a kind of oh, how did that happen you know what's and you know you, you heard alluded to the the mystery uh and so and so you get a sense uh, very early on that that this is what what's going to unpack what, what exactly happened between um you know, Virgilio, the older brother, I hope I'm getting these characters right, and Rosario, the uh, the, the grandmother, and then Osvaldo, the younger brother, who was the grandfather. Um, and uh, and that's a large part of the story that that kind of unfolds. Um, that's as much as I'll give away, so you're going to have to find out the rest by reading. Um, but I, what, I mentioned these four vectors. So So as you're reading, on one hand, you hear the narration of these family members as they talk about the things they see in the photographs. On the other hand, you, you're piecing together with Ramiro your, you know, your own sense or his sense of the backstory of the family. And then a, a third kind of vector is, and this is, I think, a fascinating choice, whenever they're talking about the photos, um, Brenes actually has these pages which are almost these uh, uh, collages, you know, maybe more organized than, than a collage form, I'd say. It's, it's panels, but they're really each... Like individual photos from this, you know, kind of vast cache of of pictures, and what's great about them is they give you us this real visual sense of life in those times. There's an authenticity to, you know, the era's clothing. I mean, we're talking about mid-century, right? Um, the the sort of the scenic, um, uh, you know, uh, particulars of Limon, which is, um, you know, and, and and sort of the <laughs> surely very historically accurate like you know like soldiers uniforms that they wore when they did military duty or what the ships and the bicycles looked like at the time you know so there's just this very real air of authenticity and pages where you know i don't know 20 20 panels each one a, a separate photograph and so what's interesting is the overlay of the storytelling from the family member the conception of the story and the sort of back and forth dialogue from Ramiro as we gather with Ramiro a sense of what the family story is and then these photographs which are this interesting both personal and private and very public side of this family or, or each of these individual characters right you meet the I don't know the various like you know women that Osvaldo had flings with um, in their youth uh, you you meet the um, you know the 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 cousins as they played together as they were growing up and those photographs allow for this kind of time jumping in the family story that you're piecing together. It's not confusing. There's something really uh, uh, astonishingly intricate and careful about the art. Um, Brenes is, as I mentioned, sort of this. Um, this clean line um uh, you know band this in a kind of style of simplicity it it really doesn't let any kind of uh, there's no artsy fartsy fuss it's very clean and clear storytelling but it can also just be just so deceptively simple because it's just so carefully crafted you know just as an example um it, it, there's a there's a funny thing that characters keep mentioning which is that virgilio and Osvaldo the two brothers who um, look a lot alike and in fact they all comment when they see Ramiro that Ramiro looks just like them and yet despite the maybe three of the principal characters of this book looking you know looking so alike you can almost tell you can absolutely tell every in every panel when you're looking at Virgilio or Osvaldo or Ramiro Um, obviously some of it because you know Ramiro is the present day and he's our over the shoulder character but he, just something in the confidence in their posture or there's something in their bearing that Virgilio and Osvaldo are always distinguishable um, and that just speaks to that's just one example in addition to all the things that um, that Brenes do, does to make the setting seem so rich and real um, of the artistry um, the carefully craft, crafted artistry um, but so 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 the third layer or the third i think vector of storytelling is that you see these photos and the way that they present you know everybody's kind of posed or smiling or even caught candidly in this kind of you know framed scene the the way that photographs um, are just redolent of this of memory and history and a particular version of memory or history um, i i have a lot of Parts of my childhood that i have blocked out <laughs> or don't remember i think it's a consequence of immigrating back and forth and moving a lot when i was a kid I, I don't have a lot of memories of my early life but the one the memories that i have are actually not almost real memories they're they're often photographs that i have internalized as my memory of um of those of that time when i was three or six or or eight or whatever right and and so there's a way where uh, and I'm sure you've probably experienced that where you're going through old photos or looking through the family photo album, and there is a kind of its own version of reality or life or memory that live in those photographs and um Brandes is able to capture that so well as you you know look at these photos and some of them you know your your eyes glance over with a kind of like okay i you know the relevance is less in one particular picture than in the um the composite of them on a page and you get a sense of these various snapshots of a life or a world or a community or a time in someone's life um you know group photos or or you know whatever weird posed things while folks are swimming or or dancing or something like that but there's also and this is the fourth vector because the story is being told because Ramiro's understandings unpacked and because of these allusions and hints in those storytelling pieces you also are always aware that there's something deeper and real and maybe unsaid behind those photographs and that effect is just awesome because it becomes the simulation as you read it of the experience that I was mentioning that that I'm sure you know all of us have had some version of but I I remember um you know, times when I would, you know, pull out an old photo album and, and talk to my mom, and, uh, or, or even uh, recently, COVID, uh, and COVID started, and I was sort of on a lockdown with my dad for a couple weeks. And, and, you know, I would just ask him a curious question about his childhood and then unleash the string of stories that would go went on, went on for two hours, three hours, you know, where he would just tell me about this and that thing that I'd never heard and in, 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 um, In my life and 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 only existed at these as these uh, pictures in my head and so you know it's just fascinating just to think about the ways that um you know our 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 grandparents our ancestors or or our family members their lives become in our memories living on in the form of some combination of these photographs and these stories and then they, they take on a life of their own, and they hold or maybe perhaps hide the reality of these mysteries. And you know, Ramiro's not my family. Rami- Ramiro might not even be real. I think Ramiro fictional. But there's but you're you're still just so fascinated by finding out what um, ultimately what is the backstory behind those pictures. So it's just really fun. it's uh, it's a compelling read. It's um, so touchingly human. Um, there's uh, something, and I mentioned the pacing. I've already alluded to both the clean line style and the sense of many pages that take their time. Um, and i should I should say there's not only pages, it's not only pages of like sort of reproduced uh, historical photographs of the family. There's also pages of uh, where. Where the what seems to be that backstory uh, gets revealed piece by piece, as well as you know the story of um, Ramiro checking in with Yas on the phone or meeting these different family members, and and you know it, it's all sort of laid out with a, this wonderful um, momentum, um, and yet every page invites you not to rush past them, because in rushing past them, your eyes rushing. Past the photographs and only to the words, you have this sense that you may be missing some, some um, precious detail in your curiosity about their lives and their family and, and this world in, in Limon. Um, so it's, it's, it's a super interesting way to, I think, experience what life would have been like, may have been like for people in a place um, at a time. And to you know think about the the sort of you know tiny but but consequential family dramas that lead lead us to where we are. Um, needless to say, from my um, my fascination with the way that this story is told, that I, I really enjoyed this and highly recommend it. I think that um, exploration of of family history reminds me a lot of you know I, I've been um, talking to the teachers I, I teach about uh, about research. And uh, we've been listening to different perspectives and approaches about just the notion of teaching research, teaching students to research. And there is a, a thing that's important about learning to research, you know, topics and subjects that may be not, um, you know, not, not proximate to your own interest, right? But there's also um, uh, one of the sort of exemplars that we're learning from is uh, Roxane Gay, the the writer, the essayist, um, the the sort of wonderful role model and 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 uh, and for me a kind of hero of, of letters, and um, Roxane Gay has a master class. We've been watching some pieces of, and the way that she talks about research is so uh, both down to earth and revelatory for me because for her research is is necessary, but it's necessary as Uh, you know a way to satisfy curiosity but also a way to ground your arguments and a way to um, contend with skepticism and a way to um, to do rhetorical work out in the world I mean duh that's what research is (laughs) I know that but but there's a way where um, the way that she talks about research and it's it's both personal and public and social meaning and so you know activating for young people the idea of exploring your heritage your family where you can when you can while you still can you know while those family members are still um, available and accessible while those photo albums may be and yeah you dig up sometimes some hard things to hear or some um, painful truths Um, but as you see with this character um, it's part of a process of discovering family and then, then therefore um, a whole lot about, about self. Um, so super interesting, fun journey. I think it'd be fun to read Memories from Limon with some uh, maybe high school age or young adult readers as one text example of what it is to um, conduct research um, on, on your own communities or on your heritage, um, that kind of um, perhaps oral history work that um can be uh so so fascinating and offer us a, a a needed glimpse into time and places that could be potentially forgotten otherwise so all right that's memories from limon um a has a new fan and I do recommend this book um, no brow 2022 okay All right, next on deck, and probably spend a little bit less time with this, is Olivia Stevenson's Artie and the Wolf Moon. Um, as Nyla Magruder calls it on the cover blurb, a heartfelt, magical family drama. You can really sink your teeth into a double entendre. <laughs> because it is a werewolf story. <laughs> if the title Artie and the Wolf Moon didn't give that away, then the picture on the cover should. Because we see a, um, a young girl who is um, running with mirth pure mirth on her face and red reflected in her eyes and she's running beside two wolves with similarly red eyes under the night moon that is glowing um, at the top of the page in these um, deep blues and greens of the sort of nighttime wild uh, it's great it's um, it's a it's a, um, a really rich uh art style it's very characterized by its color um reminds me a bit of of uh artists that um i you know i I think it's taken me a bit to adjust my own aesthetics and eyes to the style but i'm thinking of two artists who i didn't think at first blush they were quite my style and since then, I've, um, I've changed my tune. Uh, one of them is, I um, actually mentioned, it, and I'll give the shout out now to DC3Cast, <laughs> my friends from Multiversity who cover DC Comics. Um, one of them is an artist whose work initially, I was like, oh, I, I don't get it. Uh, I don't know if I like that. Uh, and then the more that I read it, and I'm speaking now of Tom Rainey, Who is an artist for um, Green Lantern the recent Green Lantern run written by Jeffrey Thorne that just wrapped up um, with 12th 12th issue Um, so Tom Rainey is is uh, one of the rotating artists they actually uh, I think I think they take basically half an issue um, throughout the run Um, but uh, Tom Rainey is um, it has the style that immediately to me uh looks somewhat off I had to say uh, you know I'm I'm saying all this by way of explaining or describing Olivia Stevens's style um and Tom Rainey I wouldn't say that they're totally akin I just think there's some um similarities some overlap there um but uh yeah I I think that the um the 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 Tom Rainey art in Green Lantern run at first was off-putting to me as like not the sort of clean cool I don't know Jim Lee <laughs> kind of cool art that that could make Green Lantern like look slick. But I, I realize I actually have never loved those Green Lantern comics very much at all, and and the, that that rainy style is really hinged on a different kind of appeal and aesthetics. And uh, it grew in the course of the story um, that Green Lantern run, that recent Green Lantern run to um, to quite enjoy it to quite enjoy how adeptly it did characterization I would say that that probably is the the defining feature for me even though it has a somewhat exaggerated and in some ways uh, I, I would say it's a style that like if you're more of a fan of like underground comics or something like that or you know um, the 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 descendants of Crumb <laughs> that, um, that that it has that more of that kind of appeal than, then again kind of like herge clean line style or a cartoonish uh, walt kelly legacy or a slick um neil adams type of thing you know um and the other artist that I, I was sort of reminded of and this one is a little bit more akin i think is um david brame who who illustrated after the rain the um john Jennings adaptation of Nettie okorafor's classic short story Um, and Jennings I think Jennings himself is 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 an artist and illustrator as well and that style in both of those books of very deep colors and um, I'm thinking sorry of of Parable of the Sower which is um, uh, Damien Duffy and Jennings and Octavia Butler Um, it's very deep rich colors and um, maybe a cartooning style that's um, not so over concerned with either animation style proportions, nor with, um, you know, realism or slickness. I think it it's just, um, it's a very, uh, I guess, uh, reflective of the soul and emotions. There's a kind of impressionism, there's a kind of, um, and again, much of this hinged on the use of color, but the the line work itself is also um, thick and rich that um, to me now speaks of like, this um, honesty of bearing uh, your, your, your soul in the midst of um, not easy and not clean realities of the world. Um, But not easy, not clean, but beautiful. And so I'm looking at this book, Olivia uh, uh, Stevens um, wrote and drew already in the wolf moon. And I think what Stevens aims to render really well uh, and I should say this book is uh targeted toward I guess uh middle grade and and YA audiences I would say it's a good you know fifth through through adolescent book but also cool for adults to read so I don't it, and uh and and essentially uh the main character teen teenage girl Artie um discovers one full moon night that her mother is a werewolf, and she's descended from werewolves, and they meet their werewolf kin and uh, community. And uh, what's what's wonderful and fascinating is it turns out that in the sort of historical existence of these werewolves, you know, it, historically, uh, the werewolves descended uh, these these werewolf communities at least uh, descended from uh, enslaved peoples, um, escaped um, former enslaved peoples, I think. And, uh, and then there are vampires uh, who are their uh, enemy, predator perhaps, um, who uh, there's a sense of vampires and the vampiric um, that reminds me of a, not so much for kids, Philadelphia uh, series. I don't know if you've seen that. Philadelphia, uh, also rooting um, monsters uh, and vampires in uh, U.S. history, um, including its uh, history of of race relations um and so uh arty uh back to what i was saying about what makes this book glorious and cool there's a um there's a way where the book uh really glories in these werewolf characters being able to run and roam as like as a as a as a sort of beautiful pack. And I wish there was a more elegant word, but maybe elegant is not even what we're looking for. You know, it's just like, it's this freedom when they get to run. And a lot of the book kind of uh, contrasts the the drama of teen life, you know, the going to school and people whispering and gossiping and, and budding romance and relationships with the experience of just running as part of the pack, you know, part of the wolf pack. And so there's these great pages, a wonderful two-page splash with this uh, sort of single-point um, perspective of a horizon, and they're running in the woods. Their eyes red. And there's they're they're in their human form, but you can see the sort of um, <laughs> you know happy woofness of them, and and all that I'm talking about those the style of the art, the the rich and and deep sort of color, the um, sense of vibrancy and life. In um, in in being able to be sort of your truest self together with your people collectively as a, as a pack of wolf, wolves with the the um, strength and freedom to run is um, it's where this art style really uh, shines and speaks to um, kind of a soul power of being able to be freely yourself. Um, so I, I like I like this book because it couches the kind of uh, maybe familiar um strains of teenage drama, you know, uh, your sort of admiration for and then and then sense of sometimes betrayal with your um your parents or your, your mother um your your you're wanting to belong but then uh you know that being a, a sort of constantly shifting thing as you find other affiliations and other Needs um, for you know for for peer groups and and and, and social affirmation, um, and then there's this you know sense of adolescence that make <laughs> coming of age stories uh, uh, hit home when you discover the the thing about yourself. You know, it's like the mutants in, in X-Men. and in X Men, and and in this case, it's discovering that. Uh, that you are a werewolf <laughs> and that there's you know this great freedom and uh and belonging in knowing that about yourself and discovering your your powers so to speak um so uh, *Arty in the wolf moon is a lot of fun i think this is a book that i will definitely have and put on my shelf for students to read i think some of them will really identify with the use of um these Horror elements, I wouldn't say it's a scary book at all, despite it having werewolves and vampires. Um, maybe maybe a little bit scary for a super, super young reader. Um, but having these sort of classical, traditional, um, scary story elements to really get at the um, the the kind of fears and triumphs um, in, the, in your growing sense of belonging as an adolescence, and you're finding your 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 pack (laughs) and your people um so uh i like olivia stevens's arty and the wolf moon and i think that um uh more of the these books in this um with these voices in uh in the ya library shelves um is just going to to um, make uh, reading experience richer for kids all right. Well, um, just a few notes on um, other things that I will um, probably also try to post in the Substack. Um, if you are listening to podcasts, this is more frequent than I usually uh, come. Usually, where every other episode, but I I think that um, many free signups for the the newsletter have um, have gradually expanded the audience. I think um i would love some feedback you can tweet me i'm on twitter at uh, twoplai um, right now commenting on posts is only for paid subscribers that's one of the premium things that i wanted to offer um, in hopes that we could build a community so if you are interested in um in becoming a paid supporter of comic syllabus uh, try to do the lowest possible rate that Substack stack will allow for uh, monthly and annual supporters. Um, come and read comics with me and graphic novels. Think about them in education or life, and um, and read Substack comics with me. Um, uh, but you can also email me uh, two ply at gmail. Um, I'd love to hear from you about what what the, uh, what stuff I'm covering or talking about is of interest to you, and what you'd like to see more of in the podcast and engage in some dialogue with me. I'd love that. Um, but a few things that I'll try to link in the show notes here um, of interest, particularly for, for Substack um, comics readers. Uh, I am um, I'm trying to to really dig deep into Three Worlds, Three Moons. And they've been making a big push today. I'm probably going to release this today. It's April 13th. I think by the 15th, they're trying to urge all subscribers and, and non, not yet subscribers to join their... Uh, founders level <laughs> it's like 250 bucks or something like that which when all these sub stacks started I'm I, I went in for a lot of their annual subscriber um, rates uh, because they were you know save a little bit and I was happy to support uh, many of these uh, great great comics creators in this venture and in this endeavor um, and I'm glad I did that I'm glad I um, I went in uh, for especially for those creators who Maybe have a little bit less visibility, um, but whose work is just awesome, and so um, so uh, you know. But I, I think I, I you know saw there's basically three levels of Substack subscription. There's the monthly, the annual, and then some kind of a founders or a big uh, big time <laughs> supporter you know fee. And uh, I I didn't go in for that for any of the Substacks, but um, I'm super tempted. With, with three worlds, three moons, they, they're they dangling lots of, uh, uh, you know, signed prints and uh, hardback editions of their, of all the, the beginning stuff. So I got, I got to admit, thinking about it, <laughs> but um, mostly because I, I, I've been fascinated and I've been enjoying, and you'd see in the prior post on this, on this sub stack and on this feed and, and in more to come, I want to unpack little bit more what's going on with this project what um interests me is although i like the quirky and the individual kind of you know very um very sort of um boutique um, (laughs) newsletter vibe of a lot of the comic substacks that i've been following um three worlds three moons seems like the biggest collab project i mean they've got you know um designers and editors and certainly colorists and letterists, and then huge growing team of artists um in fact uh, i'll link in the show notes there's an episode of off panel um david harper's podcast um from his site sketched um where he interviewed mike del mundo and mike huddleston and uh a lot of great takeaways from from that conversation david harper's always a uh, you know solid interview and um what the mics (laughs) um, Del Mundo and um, and Huddleston talk about that made me have to I was like oh I wish I I wish this came out but (laughs) before I I did my first three worlds three moons episode because I think I talk a lot in 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 that last uh, episode of this podcast about um, Hickman as the originator or writer or sort of um, you know um, as the sort of uh, creative mind and listening to Mike and Mike with um, with David Harper, I realized the extent that they they're really tr- making it a three-way collaboration of creation. And that's because uh, I think they know how integral designs, um, visual conceptions, uh, you know um, uh, and and even, you know, um, the kind of story that these visuals would signal to tell. Are to the um, the story itself, and so in all of the um, pieces of comics we've gotten so far, including the ones that I talked about in the last episode, Fable and Ruins, uh, and then the ones that are in the the episodes to come, because I plan to, to dig into all the the Three Worlds, Three Moons stuff that's that's been out so far. Um, they don't have they don't list a writer. You know, it'll say art by christian ward or art by uh, valentine landro or whomever Um, but i think the intention is that the writing team is indeed yes hickman and there's a lot of recognizable hickman stuff so don't totally blame myself for attributing it to hickman but I, i really think it's rightfully attributed to mike and mike and jonathan hickman because um del mundo and huddleston are just deeply involved in 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 designing characters and conceiving of the worlds and in creating the settings and 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 in doing so and envisioning where the story may go um and see they seem to be also involved in in uh at least the conversations about plotting and and and, you know characterization and so forth and so i should have known (laughs) that um that you know none of it saying written by Jonathan Hickman means that you know it really is the three worlds three moons crew and in particular uh those three creators that are really brainchilding this entire project so um I'll I'll, I'll amend the way I talk about that in the future but it's just uh, fascinating to hear um the behind the scenes process parts which you can definitely detect and get a sense of from following three worlds three moons but to um to hear mike and mike talk about that with david harper um a few other small things uh, but that that kind of have stuck with me um over at love everlasting which is um elsa Charette and uh tom king's substack where they're publishing um love everlasting is that right everlasting love i don't know uh they they have a podcast um that uh mostly Charette, which if you've seen um, her YouTube channel or, and, and, and all the great process stuff that she's, she's done um, she's just masterful at this way better than me and this dumb podcast <laughs> but um, she's putting together a podcast called Love to Hear from You and they dropped a second episode and I think it might be for subscribers only but she has a conversation with designer Tom Mueller, uh, Mueller who um, designed you know Love Everlasting's logo as well as a bunch of stuff for um, House of X and Powers of X I think and a bunch of other things. So it's just a fascinating conversation. Charatier is, is herself an incredible creator and um, also a super engaging conversationalist in talking about, um, you know, the, the, the behind the scenes and the process stuff. So um, I, 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 I'm about halfway through that conversation, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and then um, over at I'm Fine, I'm Fine, Just Understand, which is Andy Stevenson's um, substack. Um, He announced the, the Nimona show, which has also been announced elsewhere, but um, in a comics form, this sort of like, wow, this announcement is finally dropping, you know, so many years after um, the book uh, has been out. That's actually a book that I have um, included on lists for students to read and they have access to some of those online library apps. Um, so Nimona is a, a super fun uh, book and soon coming as a as a I think a Netflix show, which is fun, uh, and a couple other small things. Um, Tom Brevoort, uh, Marvel, um, Honcho, is also starting uh, Substack. I think it's called A Man with a Hat. <laughs> I'll put a link to that. Um, put a first post. It's kind of an essay. Should be should be interesting to see if Brevoort makes use of um, Substack as a place where. He can be non-Marvel <laughs> and maybe candid uh, about about lots of things, and then um, yeah, one thing not comics. I also uh, uh, follow subscribe to uh, a Substack a newsletter called Volts, and it's really kind of addressing climate change. There's an episode where the latest IPCC international intergovernmental panel on climate change. Um, these reports that they have been coming out with periodically that are really meant to resound the alarm bells of we need to make dramatic, dramatic change now. Um, and uh, and, and we, we ignore that at our peril. Um, anyway, they have a conversation with a, a Professor Paulina Jaramillo about how the latest IPCC report shifts attention a little bit more to actually the solutions that um, are most uh, viable to maintain um, a a, 1.5 to 2 degree Celsius um, increase. That is the sort of target and goal. Uh, If we can maintain that, then we can reduce some of the harm. So just I'll link that and just recommend that. Not comics related, but you know, should be. (laughs) We should all be paying attention to that. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the world. in, in Ukraine, in our communities, um, with the ongoing pandemic and uh, economic situation and so much. So, it's so a lot to pay attention to. I like to think reading comics with you helps us to do that with more empathy and compassion, intelligence, and, uh, and let's hope so. All right, well, thank you for hanging out today, talking to me about, talking to me, me talking to you about Memories from the Moon, already in the Wolf Moon and um and the litany so uh, reach out stay in touch thank you and uh, take care